Discover the Landing, brand new sophisticated senior living with views of the Potomac, multiple restaurants, a day spa, innovative programming, and more. Now leasing. Learn more at www.landingalexandria.com. Hello, and welcome to Speakeasy. My name is Cody Mellicline. I'm editor at the Alexandria Times. And today I am joined by David Ashton, an independent filmmaker whose work you may be familiar with through the Alexandria Film Festival. His film, The Legacy Sessions, won the Audience Award at the festival last year in 2020 during the, during the pandemic-tinged uh, ceremony. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me. Um, we have a lot of things to cover in this the episode, Brand uh, new because although obviously living in Alexandria with uh, the Potomac River, you are, you're an independent filmmaker and your work is still sort of getting out in front of people. You have done studio, quite a bit of work that people may or may not be familiar with. The landing is now leasing But I guess starting out, I know studios, obviously you're originally apartments. from Nova, Learn more at What was the first film you remember having an impact on you? I think every director has a film that has influenced them in some way that sort of jump-started their interest in actually making movies for you. What was that? Man, just going back, but um, it was definitely in high school. I think it was probably my junior year. Um, there were two films that that stand out uh, in my mind. One was Magnolia, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, the other one was City of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Magnolia especially was one that I'd just never seen anything like that before. And, you know, it has this unusual opening with these these three kind of standalone uh, like motifs there and like that are completely not related to the plot. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is going on? And it's got all these, you know, I wasn't familiar with any, um, I'd never seen a movie like that with like all these different stories intertwined. This sort of mosaic narrative yeah um and so and, and i remember thinking like oh there's like someone made this there's a someone who's made this and they're trying to communicate something this is a piece of art it's not just pure entertainment um it has a uh, there's some some big ideas going on here and i i think that's when i first started thinking about who the director is and like the the, the kind of person behind the movie. Um, uh, and yeah, and City of God was another one. Uh, I think that one, it's just, it was so visceral and, and just raw and like, like being transported into the streets of um, Rio de Janeiro or yeah. like just a, as a kid growing up in the suburbs, it was just so different from anything I had ever seen. And it just felt so real. Um, I really, I don't know. Ever since then, I think I've always been trying to achieve that same level of, of realism. I think, but uh, but yeah, those two. I'm sure there are others if I really thought about it longer. But sure, um, those two stand out. So, at what age did you see those? Were you still were you a teenager? Were you in your twenties? Yeah, I was probably sixteen. Okay. Yeah. When did you? I guess when did you start start first toying with the idea of actually making films yourself? Well, I started writing screenplays probably probably soon after that yeah i think junior or senior year in high school okay um i've always liked writing writing and i uh, i wrote for my high school newspaper and then wrote for my college newspaper and 
it was the, probably the one thing I ever got like positive feedback on from teachers or just anybody. It was like, oh, like, you know, like I would write columns and things in the school newspaper and people would like, oh, that was funny or interesting or so, yeah, I kind of took a stab at writing. I think I wrote uh, then my first screenplay was my freshman year of uh, first feature screenplay, freshman year of college. And then I didn't shoot anything uh, or like direct anything until it must have been, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year. I was always, and, and it's funny too, because I even had um, friends even in high school who were making films. And um, I remember my friend Kelly, who was making these little indie, you know, obviously indie short films uh, with friends and stuff. And like, I, I remember tagging along one time, but it never occurred to me like, oh, you could go do this too. I just thought it was cool. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think I just had, the, the, the realization probably after writing some scripts was like, I think realizing that like the, the, the writer didn't have control over the, yeah. the finished product, you know? Uh, and so that was probably the, the impetus to then go shoot something myself. So yeah, I made a, then made a short film, uh, yeah, probably yeah, right around sophomore, junior year. Do you remember what that first screenplay was that you wrote? Yeah, it was a, how do you describe it? It was a drama about high school kids and sort of the, it was this kind of like, I don't know, kind of intense movie, like uh, about like, it was like the seedy underside of the suburbs kind of deal. Yeah. And like, um, it was called Redemption Son. I don't remember that much about it now that it's fun funny enough. I. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Sure. What was the, and then what was the first project that you actually ended up filming? Um, it was called Bunny Man Bridge. Okay. So, uh, you know, I grew up in Centerville. And so for those who aren't familiar, well, I would imagine a lot of people in Northern Probably, Virginia yeah. are, but so yeah, I just basically made a film. Um, it was a fictional film that it wasn't about the, the Bunny Man legend. It was set in like present day, but then it, it sort of tied in some elements of that and we shot it at the bunny man bridge and oh, cool. okay. in clifton and stuff and um i thought i was making a horror film but then i remember showing it to a film teacher in college and he's like no this is like an art film pretending to be a horror film <laughs> i'm like okay well it is what it is so yeah um, do you remember what you felt like after actually sort of getting it out and actually obviously Filming it, filming it is one thing, but then actually like editing it and kind of piecing it together. Do you remember what it felt like to actually have like a film that you have made officially, quote unquote? I mean, I mean, certainly I, I don't remember clearly how I felt. I, I, I like, I don't, I, there's not like an exact moment in my sure. mind or exact memory, but, but I just remember thinking like, I want to do more of this. Like, mm -hmm. this is like, like I, I just enjoyed the process like the, 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 of like finding the locations, casting and like all the, all the, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, how to put it together. How, how, how am I going to like logistically make this, you know, yeah. translate this idea from paper to, you know, to the screen. And uh, just that, that, you know, that, that experience of being an independent, you know, an independent filmmaker was like, 
sort of addicting, you know, like sort of, um, and I, and I do remember screening it for some friends and like, and that being really fun. I'm like, yeah. Um, and then also like, I think too, you're, there's things that you couldn't really pull off or you feel like you didn't do well and you're like, oh, the next one. And then I'll, I'll, you're always, you know, I think whenever you finish a film, you're always like eager to do the next one because you feel like you can make, do even better, you know? At that point, did you sort of have a sense of what projects you wanted to continue doing? Was it obviously because I think if someone looks at your filmography, they're they're they vary in terms of in terms of uh, obviously what stories they're telling, the subject matter. But I think mm-hmm. there's probably some unifying factors there as well. Did you at that point have a sense of these are the kinds of stories I want to tell? And if not, then I guess when did you sort of realize this is sort of what I want to do with with mm-hmm. film this is what i i feel like i can do with film for me i i always had a lot of creative impulses mm-hmm. uh growing up and you know into my early 20s and kind of like trying things but not really nothing ever really clicked you know but you know I, i've always i was always interested in like visual art but i wasn't you know a painter or like i don't know how to draw or anything i loved music and I've always been a really big music person, but I never really was super interested in being a musician. And, you know, I, I really like performing and like really appreciate, you know, actors. And, but I never, uh, and, and I would do some acting, but I never, it, it didn't really like, I didn't really fall in love with it. Um, and obviously I talked about writing and journalism and yeah. loving that. And then, so what, I guess what I, what I found with filmmaking is it kind of just brought all those things into one art form. And so, yeah, I, I, I feel like it was like, I was just kind of searching for this, this, uh, way to express myself. And I think that's really what it came down to is it was a a form of self-expression. And I think that's, if there's anything that's unifying, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, the stories themselves or the, the, the genres, but it's the fact that, you know, they're all personal to me in some way. And, and um, I feel like there's a, a kind of catharsis that I get from, from making the movies and, and, and hopefully making something that, that other people can, uh, you know, share in that catharsis in their own way, you know? Sure. Uh, so I, I, but yeah, I've never thought too much about like, oh, I, I really want to make movies that are like this kind of exact story or this kind of genre. Or, um, I love all kinds of yeah. films. So, uh, We can talk a little bit about some of your work. Um, and I, I guess the project I wanted to start with was a project called Mysterious Prison, mm-hmm. which um, I know for you, uh, I think has, has taken on additional meaning over time and has, has become quite, quite I guess, probably a more involved project than you than you initially thought. I guess for people who aren't familiar with it, can you, I guess, tell people a little bit about what Mysterious Prison is about, how it sort of came together in the first place? Yeah, um, so that was a feature film that I wrote and directed um, basically right out of college or kind of as I was finishing college, I think I still had a couple credits. So I was finishing, uh, kind of launched right into this. And the, the idea behind it was I was going to do four different short films that were thematic, thematically related. 
not, not all were about, about um, were centered around characters who were dealing with extreme poverty and homelessness. And so I did a Kickstarter and um, basically started filming these these shorts. And what happened is I, again, maybe it was the Magnolia, uh, you know, uh, structure in my head, but then I kind of, I, I started sort of like overlapping some of the stories. So like if there was like a, a supporting character in this film, like, oh, maybe I'll have him in this story as kind of like walking by, you mm-hmm. know, just not involved in the plot too much, but just as like, just as like these little, like these loose threads connecting them, you know? But then that I just kind of got really caught up in that. And suddenly I'm like, am I making a feature? Uh, which is not a good way to make a feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, cause I never actually had a feature script. I just had the scripts for, and then I ended up adding two more stories to it. So I ended up doing six of these. Mm. And it just turned into this, like, from like, oh, I'm just going to go shoot a couple of these little shorts into, like, basically uh, nine months of filming. It was 46 production days. Wow. Uh, there was over 100 speaking parts. Uh, and it was basically two years start to finish working on this. Wow. Um, and uh, it, it what it really was was my film school because outside of my, my sound person, I was the... I was there, the only person who was there every day on, uh, on set, and um, you know, really, really, really taught me a lot about filmmaking and like what departments do, and like not even realizing that I'm doing the job of, yeah, you know, I'm doing eight jobs in one, you know, like so that project, you know, we uh, we did some screenings around. We actually um, teamed up with Central Union Mission, who's the oldest. It's the oldest homeless shelter in D.C. So I did two screenings with them to help uh, sort of a fundraising uh, tool for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I did a screening at the Angelica Fairfax. So, And that was it. It kind of just went away. But, um, but still the experience of making it and the people I met and the people I worked with, it's been really uh, impactful. Uh, for me professionally and personally. How so? I mean, from, from a, just from a thematic standpoint, like that's such an important issue to me is, and, and, uh, and, and that's kind of what started why, why I chose to make that film. Cause I was genuine, genuinely curious to try to understand how someone becomes homeless and what keeps them homeless. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of research and, um, I met a lot of interesting people along the way, people I became close with, and uh, you know, two of which uh, actually died pretty soon after we were done filming. One, one of them was murdered, and one was um, had a uh, was hit by a train. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just brutal. And um, but they, but yeah, I met um, some of these people who were living on the streets, who were living in shelters, and. Um, or, or just people who are like local actors who, who also like extremely passionate about this issue. And, you know, it, 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 it sort of bothered me that I've never had a full sense of completion with that project because I never really found an audience for it. And, and part of it is my own fault. Cause I, I, I think I was too close to it. I, I couldn't really edit it down probably more than it needed to be. Mm. Um, 
you know, the film I screened was, or at least I completed was two hours and 24 minutes. So it's like, it's a long movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was probably a little stubborn at the time or just, again, too, probably too close to it to really have the, per, you know, the perspective I needed to really, to, to cut it down to where, you know, where it needed to be. But, um, and, and again, part of it was just also me learning. So there are certainly scenes or sequences where I feel like, oh, that's so amateur. But then there's parts of it that I think are, you know, I actually kind of went back and looked at some footage over during the pandemic and was like, you know, there's some stuff in here that really, I still really like. And so it, it yeah, it, it's kind of a weird feeling, but I, I like, I, it's like, I, I love that project and I love all the people who worked on it. And I'm, but at the same time, I also want to keep moving forward and sure. keep, I don't want to keep going back to trying to, you know, it's like they say, you never really finish a project. You just abandon it. So, um, I think that's true, you know, and I, uh, funny enough during the pandemic, I, as I was looking at footage, I started to kind of cut together a short from, it was actually the first story we filmed for oh, that. Wow. And, and so at that point I was still filming it as thinking it was going to be a short film. Yeah. So I had, had all these scenes for that, uh, more so than the other ones, because once I figured out I was making a feature, then you kind of start to like. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't need this or we don't need to shoot this and kind of, mm-hmm. whereas for that one, it has, I have a lot of footage for it, um, stuff that didn't make it into the feature. And I started looking at it and kind of cutting it together. And now I'm going to actually release a, one of the shorts uh, in January. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. See what happens. Does that project have a name? Uh, it's called Stealing Bread. You know, I, I, um, I didn't want to call it Mysterious Prison because I think, yeah. You know, it's its own thing, you know, sure. and, I, and I, and I, and that's, and that's what helped me honestly, even allow me to edit it and work on it again was to like, you know, I, so mysterious prison wasn't color, but stealing breads in black and white. And that was sort of the epiphany for me. It was like when I was looking at it, started looking at it in black and white, it, was like, it just kind of took on a new life and really allowed me to like kind of separate the way I edited it and like looked at it from, yeah, from what mysterious prison was. It must be interesting for you to be able to go back to revisit a project that obviously left such a seismic impact on you with all of the tools that you've kind of acquired over in, in the interim time between that project and now. Yeah. Um, do you feel, so do, I guess in looking back at that footage and sort of piecing together something new out of that project, what do you feel like you can bring to it now that you weren't able to at the time that you were sort of in the thick of it? Um, well, certainly, obviously I, I can't reshoot it. Yeah. I guess I <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I guess what I would bring to it now is just maybe more experience as an editor. Okay. Um, uh, I think I'm a, uh, more, you know, and, and not only I've had some experience not only, uh, editing my projects, but editing other things. And I'm like, I, um, but the, the year lead, I guess what year was that? 2019, uh, I edited a, a my good friend Justin Rodano, who's a, a filmmaker as well, I, he uh, produced a TV pilot that I edited. And, okay. And uh, I've done some other things like as well. Uh, and I, I, so yeah, I think I'm a much better editor now after working on other people's projects. And I don't know. I, I think I was able to cut some scenes together. It made the scenes work better than maybe I would have back mm. then. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, it's funny though. I don't 
looking back at it, it's also it serves as a kind of a reminder to just because there is stuff about it where I feel like I captured some really unique things that yeah. maybe was a little bit of just kind of young, you know, young naive filmmaker and kind of just shooting a ton of stuff. Also, we, we shot so many hours and like kind of just stumbling on things, but but and so. I think that's important too. Like it kind of a reminder to myself to like a lot of filmmaking is about control, right? You're trying to control the environment and you know, you're trying, there's certain things, you know, like with actors, they got to hit a mark, you know, there's certain things that you need to happen, but, but it's also kind of beautiful when accidents happen and when, um, when there's kind of a, a controlled chaos and if you can kind of work within that, um, it's kind of exciting. And so, yeah, that film was sort of a, or looking back at it again, was kind of a nice reminder to myself too, to like, don't lose that, you know, don't, yeah. don't lose that curiosity and that willingness to just try things, to make mistakes, to, to, to fall flat, flat on your face and just, but then get back up and keep going, you know? So, um, so it's good motivation too. Definitely. I know some of that sort of a, the controlled chaos you're talking about, some of that approach which I know for you is somewhat also about like bringing a level of authenticity to your projects, obviously, because if you allow something real to happen, it certainly reads as more real to, to pe I feel like it does read as more real to people and more authentic to people. Um, mm -hmm. Even though you can obviously impart that with a scripted scene just as much. Um, and I have some of that bled over into the work you did on the legacy session, which I feel like is probably the project people are most, familiar with out of what out of what you've worked on mm -hmm. i know you've been obviously showing that at, at film festivals for probably what seems like forever at this point but uh can you talk to me a little bit about that project i guess that core idea behind it and where that came from because as i understand it it's based on i guess somewhat of a a, a real idea and a real concept that you that you kind of came across mm -hmm. well i'll say this as a filmmaker i always kind of equate uh, being a writer director to being like a collage artist and that like you're kind of always collecting ideas uh, you're collecting materials but not really sure where they go or how it's going to work uh, and so it's like all right I love this piece of music I like oh that's a great piece of dialogue let me write that down uh, oh I like this theme or this kind of character or visually something that looks like this but you know but sometimes you have all these you know, ingredients, but you don't really know what dish you're making, you know, you don't really yeah. know, uh, what's the story, what's, what movie are you making, you know? And so, you know, with this project, I had cassette tapes, recordings with my grandparents. I had, I was really interested in, um, a character who was sort of an outsider who uh, was really into punk music, uh, and, and, uh, because I love punk music, and so I like, just wanted to write a character who loves <laughs> punk music. Yeah. Um, and then I've always, I've always liked stories with like, you know, kind of like about like unique or like unusual friendships. So yeah, so I had kind of all these things I was interested in, and but not really sure what to do or what, what like how it would be a movie. And, um, and then uh, it was actually my mom, funny enough, who in Virginia Beach put together or was very instrumental in putting together this program that uh, basically pairs high school acting students with um, 
retirees. Uh, and so basically there's a, it was Salem High School in Virginia Beach and they, they, they basically paired them with uh, some retirees in a Marion Manor community home. And um, they got three meetings with them. And then the students, they put together a actual show and the students, each student, student performed a monologue as the, uh, mm. um, as the older person they were paired with. And um, I don't know, I just thought that was so beautiful and like, I don't know, it just spoke to my heart like immediately, you know, like, like and, and it just felt like, oh, this is the perfect backdrop for all these things I'm interested in. It kind of checks all the boxes, right? Yeah. And so, so I wrote a fictional story, but with that as the kind of the framework. Uh, and, and, and I wrote it pretty quick. I mean, because I, 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 I just, again, I just fell in love with that. I just thought, man, this is so fun. And it's unique. And I think it, and it, and it, to me, it worked as a movie. Because sometimes you, you'll stumble on things too that are like cool ideas or, or uh, interesting or for whatever reason, but they just don't really work as a movie. But yeah. this one, I felt like, felt like it did to me. Yeah. Obviously, core to the film is the, obviously, the two characters, the, and you can remind me of their names, the older character and the younger character that are the, obviously the manifestation of the legacy sessions concept. Mm -hmm. I have to imagine that obviously one of the things that was probably most important to you was the casting for those two characters because if that goes wrong, obviously the whole project sort of falls apart. Yeah. How did you go about finding the two actresses that you ended up casting in these roles? Because they're both fantastic, obviously in different ways, but both fantastic. Yeah. Hey. 80% of directing is, act, is uh, casting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if it's that much, but it's certainly a large chunk of it. It's just like finding the right people and um, creating an environment for them to do their best work, you know. Um, but yeah, for to find them, uh, well, I'll start with the, the older character um, who we ended up casting. Um, well, the character's name is Flora, but we end up casting a, a local uh, Alexandria-based actress named Bonnie Jordan. She's uh, now 97. She was 95 when we filmed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, years ago, I had taken an acting class at the Little Theater of Alexandria. And, and the instructor there, a gentleman named Mike Baker, uh, I really liked him a lot. And I kind of stayed in touch with him over the years here and there, emailing. Yeah. So when I was casting this, I really had a tough time. I was using backstage. I was reaching out to like local theater directors and other filmmakers I knew. I was like, hey, could not find anyone really over the age of like like 70 uh, for like a female, you know, female actor. And I, so I reached out to Mike Baker and I said, you know, you've been there a while. Do you, have you ever stumbled on anyone who could kind of do this role? And that was the first person he mm. recommended. He, in fact, he didn't recommend anyone else. He's like, I think I have the person for you. And, uh, and when I met to meet, when I went to meet her, um, she was living. Um, it's a Sunrise community um, called Belvoir Woods, but she had her own apartment. She was still driving. She had a dog, and like we were exchanging emails. I didn't realize she was ninety-five. Wow! And okay. so when I show up, she already has her script printed out, lines highlighted. And I talked to her, and I basically on the that day I was like, "Look, if you want the role, it's yours." Because I just was like, I just loved her so much. I yeah. just knew. Right away, that, you know, she was right. And then um, with the other uh, co-lead, uh, the character of Darby, um, you know, we did a casting call, and 
mostly through backstage. I also reached out to local high school um, theater teachers because I was really trying to find someone who I didn't want to do like the Hollywood thing and find like a 30 year old to play a, <laughs> like a high schooler, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I probably saw like 250 people that I, and I narrowed it down to 20 that we had to read for the part. And then, and she just stood out. I mean, I, I, and, and there were some other really good actresses who I think would be great for other things, but sure. she, she, um, she read what she did. She did something which I think great act, act, um, actors do. She, instead of like trying to read it the way she thought I wanted it, she read it in a way that she kind of put her own twist on. Mm. Uh, on, on I remember there was one specific like piece of dialogue where she like she read it in a way that was like different from every other person. So I was like, man, that's cool that she's like already like kind of taking ownership and like has her own ideas that she's bringing to it. What was it like working with? or directing two actors, one who's clearly like probably at the start of their career and one yeah. who's, who's been in, who's been doing this for so long. That must, I guess well, not. Okay. Uh, neither of them had better been in a movie. Okay. Both had done theater. Okay. Uh, Julie was at George Mason at the time and she was doing yeah. some things there and had done some, some productions in high school. Okay. Bonnie was, retired or she retired um she was a uh, in real in, in real estate yeah she retired in her 60s and then just started doing community theater <laughs> and so she did a bunch of things at the little theater of alexandria and um but she'd never done a film so yeah so, so that, it was new and, for both of them yeah and that's kind of honestly that was kind of great because they it was like <laughs> yeah they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum in, in a lot of ways but then they also had this yeah that, that kind of bond of like all right we're both learning on this <laughs> um, that is cool though it allows that i imagine that sort of bonded them probably faster than than if they had both sort of come in with preconceived notions about how the process works and how their process works yeah and that's honestly i think that's what translated on screen so well is that we you know i knew i didn't know if we we're going to film it, the movie up here but i knew i wanted to cast people who lived here so i could rehearse uh, a lot because I thought that I mean that the, the whole movie hinges on that relationship right? sure that, that, yeah and so this wasn't something where we just show up for a day and rehearse and then all right we'll film this tomorrow like yeah they needed to get to know each other they needed that time and like and I think and they and, and really what happened is they became friends in real life and so um I know Julie's talked about this how like that really like informed her performance it was like um I don't want to give plot points away but, sure. but there are things that in the film where she from him i think from emotionally he was able to like sort of lean on that friendship as like a source to for how she played the character and how she approached certain scenes yeah returning to the point you brought up about i guess controlled controlled chaos quote unquote as uh, can you talk i guess a little bit about did you bring any of that filmmaking approach to this project as well. I, I know you, there was a little bit of it in there. Mm. Uh, I know you've talked in the past about a, specifically a scene with like a concert that's happening and you, mm. you literally just like threw a concert. <laughs> it's not like it was, you could start and stop it. It was just happening. Yeah. What do you feel like that imparts to a project or gives to a scene? Oh man. Well, 
I think from a performance standpoint, and again, it, it really depends on what the scene is or how you're doing this, because you don't always want actors being in an unpredictable environment. Sure, yeah. Um, and you want to make sure they're comfortable and like safe. And so for something like, for, for, you know, to use an example, the opening scene of the legacy sessions is this character, Darby, who's into punk music. She goes to a VFW that is, um, and I don't know if they're still doing it since the pandemic, but there's a VFW in Falls Church that uh, had a, uh, basically like a, uh, event space okay like so they had kind of the, the, like a bar area with pool tables and then they had a, another room you would walk into that was an event space where they would have functions but also concerts and and that's how i discovered it because there was some music i was trying to get to use in the film mm. and then i saw this band was playing i was like they're playing the vfw okay so i went and checked it out and i'm like oh man all right i need to change the opening scene because this is like really cool and kind of like perfect because it juxtaposition of like these young people going to a show at a VFW where all these kind of mostly older people are sort of hanging out and drinking at the bar who are like completely disinterested in that. It's yeah. like two, it's like like these two worlds should not be colliding like this, but it, not to say they shouldn't, but it's like they they don't normally, you know, collide. And, but 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 I love that, you know, and I, to me that's like what's interesting in movies is like that, that kind of contrast, you know. Yeah. Sorry, this is sort of a long-winded answer no, no, to your question, but um coming from the independent film world where you don't have a lot of money and you got to think, think of like creative ways to add production value. Um, and so what I was like, well, I could put together like a fake concert and try to find people to come. And then, cause then you got to start thinking about wardrobe and production design, all these things. And but I'm like, Oh, we could just throw like a real concert and then have the actress there. Like, and we'll just shoot it more, you know, sort of a more documentary style a little bit. But but you let people know, you know, hey, look, we're filming. This is what we're doing. But sure. But it's a real concert, you know, real musicians. And yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've i always done that in all my films is try to think, find ways to do that. Um, uh, there's something beautiful, I think, that happens when real life meets the movie. Yeah. Um, now, now, it can be really challenging and like. But I think, like as a director, I, I'm kind of open to that and sort of looking for these, like, you know, not looking for chaos, but looking for these little accidents, these little like moments of truth, right? And so, yeah, and I think from a performance standpoint, pairing like, so say you have a person who's playing themselves in a scene, and then you have an actor. Well, a, a great an actor's. Their whole goal is to try to be authentic and real, right? And so they're sitting here looking across from someone who is just being themselves, who is authentic and real. Yeah. So I think from an as a for a professional actor, they're like, okay, this is a good um, kind of a good barometer to see where I'm at. Am I? So it almost like makes them raise their game. Yeah. But then on the flip side, for the someone who's not a professional actor to watch how a professional actor operates and approaches each take. Uh, I, I think there's also, it helps them, I guess, be more of a professional, right? And like, um, so something, for example, like, you know, they might see that actors like, oh, they're, they're not going so big every take. They're kind of like, you know, they're pacing this out because they know we're going to do like 10 takes and maybe sure. they're going to give be a little different on each one and things like that. So I, I've just found over the years doing a lot of scenes with non-actors and really good actors 
is that they really work together pretty well. Um, and there's something about being in these real environments that informs not just like the people in front of the camera, but the people behind it. There's something different about being in a place where you have to really um, be on your toes and like, like, and, 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 and be like, you can't get too comfortable, you know, but like, I think that can be a good thing though. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it can work against you to be too comfortable. Um, yeah. I imagine it pushes everybody to sort of up their game to a certain extent. Yeah. And then, and, and yeah, and you're trying to like, then you can almost see how like you can like, maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle. There's just something so exciting about it. And like, and again, it doesn't always work. And it, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, and there's so many factors you're, you know, just from a sound, that's probably the one person who's like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> the guy recording yeah. sound like, you know, like, oh, great. Now I got to worry about X, Y, and Z. And because, sure. you know, we're, we're in an uncontrolled environment. But I don't know. I just, if I can like inject a little bit of that, like realism and truth into the project, I, I just, I found it goes a long way towards the, the final, the final uh, result of what it, what it becomes. Discover the Landing, brand new sophisticated senior living in Alexandria with views of the Potomac River. Enjoy multiple restaurants, a day spa, fitness center, art studio, innovative programming, and more. The Landing is now leasing penthouses, studios, one and two bedroom apartments. Learn more at www.landingalexandria.com. I know, I know with that, with the legacy sessions, and obviously, as you mentioned, with Mysterious Prison, both of those projects, you've you've opted to go the crowdfunding route and kind of securing funding. And for legacy spe- sessions specifically, I know, was, as far as I know, it was pretty successful. Um, what makes you kind of return to that process over and over again? Because I have to imagine part of it is nerve wracking because you're probably like on day, you're five days out from when you're supposed to meet, you're going like, you're like, oh, we still have like this amount to, to reach. Um, what made you return to it for the legacy sessions? Yeah. Well, and I don't want to say I've gone return to it over and over because I've only done it twice. You've done it twice. Yeah. yeah. And so I did it for uh, so almost, it was almost like a decade apart. That's and, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I've thought about using it for other things that I've done, but I, but I didn't really want to do, use uh, crowdfunding unless I had a project I really believed in. Sure. And, um, Cause I don't want to be that guy every year, just like, you know, hitting up all my friends and family. Hey, yeah. all right, here's the next one, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, I, 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 I'll say this as a filmmaker, you're always trying to like create a community and an audience for your film and crowdfunding does both. When I did it at the beginning, I, I liked it. And then I kind of had a period where I was like really almost against it because it seemed like a lot of people were just kind of like, had like no plan or they just kind of feel like oh i'll just crowdfund it and get the money and like it's kind of but then i, I kind of came back around to it and part of it too was seeing just how it, how it had evolved and how like the one the crowdfunding set i used this past time around didn't even exist back then it's called seed and spark and it's specifically for filmmakers okay um and i realized too that like you know for people who are completely outside the film industry for people who don't have those kind of connections or don't come from a lot of money and have a project that not only is providing an opportunity for the director, 
for the creator is providing opportunities for the actors, providing opportunities for the crew, is providing, um, uh, it, it's good for the, uh, wherever you film, it's, I mean, sure. it's, you're talking about local restaurants or businesses that can, because you know, we're spending money, you know, we're, 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 we're you know, supporting uh, the places where we, we make the, the film. And so, yeah, I, I think I've really come back around to it because I, um, for that reason, especially for the fact that it does provide these opportunities for people who maybe don't always get an opportunity because a lot of times it's someone who's stepping into a role. Maybe they don't always get on a bigger production. Yeah. So someone who is the, maybe they're hired as like a, to do props or be a seamstress or something like, like in my, like with my film. Well, I hired her as my production designer, you know? So, um, so she gets to step into a bigger role and, and have that as a credit. And, um, and then, and then for the people who are donating, uh, they're, you know, who are contributing money to see it come alive. They're part of it from every step of the way, which I think is really cool. Like, cause you're, we're, we're, we're um, giving them message updates. Mm-hmm. We're giving them like behind the scenes photos. Um, you know, it, this your past year has been really tough because, you know, typically would have like had a lot of them be able to come to screenings sure. and, yeah. um, uh, and be part of that. Uh, experience like and even like private screenings just for them and things like that we had planned but you know obviously all that got shut down I mean we've only screened the film in person I think three times now oh wow four, four times um, over the last year plus yeah um, and obviously a lot of people still aren't comfortable going into, into those sort of you know public uh, you know, events but I've really seen uh, when it's done right how just how kind of special it can be for the people who are working on it and for the people who get to follow it and feel like they are part of it because they really are they're really putting money to something and then to see it come to life it's like like it wouldn't exist without them yeah i i I, and i'll say this for anyone who is listening who has contributed to this film or my past project thank you because it you know it, it does mean a lot even someone who just like gives you five bucks, you know, sure. it, it still says a lot and like that they believe in me as an artist and, um, and, 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 and care enough about the story to be like, you know, I, I think sometimes too, that there are certain types of stories that don't get made. Right. Or maybe you don't see it, um, in, in Hollywood movies or, I mean, even stuff where I'm, I'm, you know, we have so many streaming sites, platforms now, and I'm still like, can I just find a movie? Like, it's like just a good story of like, just about people, like real people. Like, yeah. Um, and it, it, sometimes those are hard to find. And like a lot of those middle budget movies, they don't make as much anymore. You know, it's either the the huge tentpole films, the you know Star Wars and Marvel films, and, um, or it's the the kind of like the indie film. It's the the Blumhouse yeah model, the three million dollar, uh, and which are oftentimes genre movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. The, the middle budget drama or thriller, those movies are kind of, I don't want to say they're extinct, but they're rare. For they're sure. rare now. Yeah. And those are, you know, I think those are the movies too that actors really love working on. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I, um, and I, and I don't want to be like, oh, that's the answer for everyone. If like you have a film, just go crowdfund it. Sure. It's a lot of work too that goes into it to, to, um, to organize it, to, sure. Uh, put it together and, and like I think there are some people who look at it as like a get rich quick scheme or something like a 
Um, it's not easy. And there's a lot of people who do it who I've had people reach out to me who tried it and failed. And, and I, uh, so there's a lot of, um, you know, research and, you know, just experience, you know, I, I think that experience of doing it the first time really helped me the second time. Obviously, one of one of the unfortunate parts of the pandemic was that those people weren't able to actually come out and see the film as much as they would have been able to. Mm -hmm. You have been showing that the movie at a lot, quite a lot of festivals, um, and I would imagine most of those are virtual, like the Alexandria Film Festival was last year. What has that process been like for you? Because obviously, you work on this project. You're immensely proud of this project. You can't wait. I'm sure you can't wait to show it to people in a theater, and then yeah. suddenly theaters are no longer really a viable option to show it to people. In some ways, obviously, putting that stuff online for people to have access to, like the, the Alexandria Film Festival did last year, mm -hmm. opens up the doors for for quite a lot more people to actually be able to see it and have access to it. But it's not still not that theatrical experience that you probably were hoping for. What was that process for you? Um, like with the pandemic and what was it actually like seeing or i guess getting a better sense of people's response to the film because obviously it won, it's won a few awards both for the film itself for the performances what has that whole pandemic experience been like for you showing the film look i mean what we've been through as a country the whole world obviously dealing with this uh, this global health crisis i mean obviously the some little movie is like the last thing and so that, that anyone should be worried about and then like um first and foremost i'm i'm grateful that i could even make this film and that we were able to shoot it before the pandemic happened yeah. because if we had waited and i even toyed with the idea of waiting it wouldn't have happened we wouldn't have been able to shoot this like you know there are two key locations are a public high school and a uh, retirement community mm. so yeah not ideal no um and uh so I just want to say that first, because I, you know, it's been a challenge. The challenges we're, we've all faced in the past year and a half are so much greater than like, sure. Just oh, people didn't see my film. You know? Sure. So I just want to have. I, I think it's good to have a healthy perspective. You know, um, but you know, speaking just as an artist, yes. I mean, is there a disappointment of not being able to create something and share it uh, in person? Yes, because look, I think most filmmakers would agree. Like that's one of the reasons we fell in love with cinema is like it's being in that that dark theater, you know, and 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 feeling, you know, being in that atmosphere, feeling those reactions, seeing the hearing those laughs or those tears or the and then having those conversations afterward. Um, that's the the reward in a way of like all the work that goes into it, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, obviously we've, uh, I, so I've yet to have an actual screening with like, I've yet to see it with either of the two leads, mm. uh, or any, I don't think any of my producers, oh, one of my producers has been there for one of the screenings. Um, but you know, my cinematographer, there's all these people, these key people who put in so much to making this. And I haven't been able to watch it with them in person. So yeah. that's, you know, uh, and that, that's part of it too. It's like. Having that screening, typically you'd have a screening for like cast and crew before yeah. you even release it. I think I couldn't even do that. So that's been tough, but you know, I'll say this, the, 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 you know, the, the reaction I've gotten from the festivals we have screened has been great. And even the festivals where we were just screening virtually, 
we've had a good re reaction too. I think it's a, I think it is a crowd pleasing film, you know, um, and that's by design, you know, I think it's, um, it's sort of a feel good film. Sure. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think a lot of the festivals have really done an extraordinary job of like, you know, Alexandria being one of them of like, you know, kind of how they adapted with the virtual uh, platform and, and doing like, you know, these kind of zoom Q and A's or like they would have like zoom round tables with like all the, the directors or some of the actors and things. And like, so it kind of, there were certain elements of it that were, I was like, Oh, I hope they kind of keep this yeah. moving forward. Cause they're, uh, you know, like with the, the conversations again with the directors, for example, was like a lot of times you don't, they can't be there anyway. Sure. Or maybe you'll meet them in passing as brief, whatever to actually have an hour to sit with these other people and having seen all the films. Cause, and so they, we've all seen each other's films. It's a, so that was really special. Yeah. And I actually made some, a lot of friendships uh, with other filmmakers uh, because of that process. Um, so there's been some silver linings with it. Um, but you know, one day I can have a, a, a screening with, where we're in a safe enough place, I guess, where everyone feels comfortable and, you know, to see it with, um, Especially, you know, like the two actors, the two lead actors. Speaking of hopes for the future, um, what sort of projects do you have on the horizon that you can talk about? Obviously, you mentioned sort of the, the breakout sort of standalone short film version of Mysterious Prison that you're, that you're working on. Um, mm -hmm. What else are you working on that people can sort of look forward to in the future? Yeah, so... So yeah, you know, the project, it's called Stealing Bread. Um, I'm kind of still tinkering with it a little bit, but my plan right now is to release it in like January, uh, put it into some festivals. And actually a lot, I want to submit it to a lot of the festivals who I had good experiences with from this past year. Sure. So like for Alexandria being one of them. And then, um, you know, I'm developing the legacy session, sessions as a feature. Okay. And... That's sort of a dream project, I guess, at this point. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a logistical standpoint, kind of how, how we can make that happen. Um, but, you know, it's something I'd love to shoot here in Virginia and again, hire local people, which is, you know, really important to me and like just continuing to build a film community here in Virginia, which I think is a really underrated mm. state for filmmaking. And, you know, we haven't had some of the same tax incentives here as we've had at other in other states, so we haven't necessarily gotten the, the quantity, but the quality of the things that have come here, and you know, like, and and people who have really liked filming here. For example, last year, or maybe it was two years ago, they did the Ethan Hawke show, Good Lord Bird. Yeah. Well, now Ethan Hawke's coming back here with a feature with him and you and McGregor. Hmm. Are doing a feature that they're shooting in Richmond area huh. because he and because I know people who worked on Good Lord Bird and talked about how much Ethan liked Virginia. Uh, I think the productions that do come here see the benefits. I mean, just look at it from, a, from geographically. Like having we have mountains, we have an ocean, we have rivers, we have small towns, we have big cities, we have uh, the, the, the historical aspect of things. I mean, sure. you, we have everything. Um, so. Uh, and there's really talented people here too. Um, uh, not just, I mean, I would in include Baltimore yeah. uh, and DC kind of in that. The whole DMV. The whole, yeah. yeah. 
uh, we're all it's all kind of one yeah. one thing but um but yeah there's really good people here so yeah i mean right now i mean that, i'd say those are the two big projects you know I'm, I'm i'm also developing a short with a writer um in new york who has a uh he had a story on the moth radio hour hmm. um it's kind of involving it's, it's a true story that happened to him he's a he's actually a writing uh he's a professor at a school in new york okay. a writer and i just kind of heard this randomly on the moth radio and i kind of fell in love with it and i was like and sometimes that happens you know it was like you know going back to what we said earlier where like you you find things that kind of check all those boxes immediately when i heard that i was like oh i love that it was just kind of uh, i don't want to get into it too much because we're sure. still kind of in the very early stages but um but he's a great um the writer is a great guy and i'm excited about that hopefully you know maybe shoot that next year but so yeah you know you want to have a lot of coals in the fire and definitely you know i have some other little things that i'm tinkering with other scripts and things but yeah those are the immediate ones david we end each episode of this show sort of the same way with a question posed by the previous guest for the current guest that question is posed not knowing who the next guest is so this is sort of a way to create a i guess a cross episode cross temporal conversation between between guests who otherwise probably wouldn't talk to each other or even know of each other um our last episode was with uh dan lee who's a city historian with the office of historic alexandria his question for you not knowing obviously that you were the next guest is what local organization would you encourage people to get involved with or support and he had obviously he had a bunch of his own ideas organizations that he loves in the city and in the area that he supports. I'm sure that some come to mind for you as well. You know, the one that's kind of fresh in my mind, there's a lot of good ones, but um, um, it's based in Alexandria. It's the um, Child and Family Network Center. Okay. It is, uh, it's a nonprofit that provides free daycare for underprivileged families. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and it's pre, it's, uh, I think they go through up to kindergarten. Okay. Um, but it's, um, they're located um, on right off Duke Street on Wheeler, Wheeler Avenue. I actually shot a video for them recently and I really um, just kind of fell in love with their mission. And you know, part of it probably is that I have an 18 month old. So <laughs> you can relate. I, uh, yeah, I'm like, you know what? This is awesome that they're providing this service because, as you know, daycare is so ex- crazy expensive as yeah. I'm. As I've learned firsthand here recently, um, and so uh, yeah, Child and Family Network Center is like just doing really amazing stuff. It's a beautiful facility to have too, and, um, um, and uh, the uh, executive director Jackie Horseman. Please reach out to her and if you want to get any information about their uh, what they're doing there. That, um, amazing, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. Um, do you have a question for our next guest? Obviously not knowing who they are. I was gonna ask maybe like a film question, but I'll, okay, no, I'll ask a broader question. I'll, I'll say this. What is the last piece of art that moved you? Oh, I love that. So it could be a film, it could be a piece of music, it could be a painting, whatever. I mean, yeah. anything that's, any art form, but what's the last piece of art that moved you? I love that. Uh, Again, thank you so much, David, for sitting down to chat with me. It's been a, a great conversation. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. And um, I'll just quickly plug my uh, website, 
which is sequoiapictures.org. That's my um, that's my company. I do uh, mostly work with uh, small businesses and nonprofits. Uh, so that's kind of my day job is um, producing uh, videos for uh, for could be for a company's website. I do like live events or um, all kinds of things. But um, but if you want to find me or connect with me, that's the best place to, to do so. Amazing. Thank you so much, David. Um, and take it easy, Alexandria. Yeah.